Well, I've asked our media team to uh, put a photograph on the uh, screen for us tonight, and um, this picture is special to me for a couple of reasons. First of all, because there's a man in that photo, you can't see him too well. I put an arrow there, so you could kind of you could kind of see him a little bit there. It's kind of a beautiful Adirondack scene there. But there's actually a guy standing there in the middle of that stream. That guy's name is Brian Pettifor. Many of you do not know Brian. Some of you maybe do know Brian and his family, but I'll just tell you this. We could have never started New Hope Community Church without Brian and Cheryl Pettifor. Right when we were first starting our church, God led Brian and his wife and their young children to come to be a part of New Hope and to help us start this church family. Actually, their family has since moved. They moved back to Indiana, where they had originally come from, and actually, uh, sadly, Brian actually went to be with the Lord a few years ago. He had a tragic uh, accident in his life, and uh, something came up, and I think a brain aneurysm, and he was in the hospital, and, and so Brian is with the Lord now. But something else that's special about this picture was that it was taken on one of the best fishing days I've ever had. And I want to tell you how it happened. I wanted to go fishing on the west branch of the All Sable River, and I didn't have anybody to go fishing with me. And so I remember we were at church uh, one Sunday, and I said to Brian, I said, hey, Brian, are you interested in fishing? And he said, yeah, I've done a little fishing, you know. Had some ponds, farm ponds growing up. I said, well, I'm going trout fishing. I'm going to the stream. You ever been trout fishing? I've never been trout fishing before. I said, then you're the person that I want to take. Because every time you take a rookie, you have a banner day, and that person says, what's so hard about this? You know, and they think it's so easy. So I said, we're going fishing tomorrow. So we got up, we went to the Allsable River, and what you see in this scene was actually in about a three-hour period, from the time that we got there until about 11 in the morning, we caught over 30 trout all over 14 inches long. Just as fast as we could reel them in. Thankfully... Thankfully, I brought a little small disposable camera, so as I was letting one off, I thought to myself, okay, I want to take a picture of Brian. And this is Brian saying, hey, Robbie, is this good? Is this a good day? And I said, Brian, don't talk. Just keep throwing, because it's not going to last forever. We could talk about it on the way home. You know what the only problem with that day was? I was right. It didn't last forever. In fact, it probably lasted for about an hour past that picture. And not only that, not only did it not last the rest of that day, I've had very few days like that since. In fact, I I consider myself a pretty decent fisherman. But if I've been fishing 30 times since I went with Brian that day, I would say at the best, I've had five days that were comparable with that. And that would be pretty good. Those were five pretty good days out of 30. In this life, we only get glimpses of glory, don't we? What do I mean by that? We get snapshots of contentment. Isn't that true? We get little little pieces, little short periods of just the way we dreamed of it, just the way we planned it, just the way things were supposed to be. But most of the time, most of our experiences fall short of what we hope for. 
Remember that perfect picnic you had planned? I mean, he had everything lined, and he thought it was just going to be just right. Remember that mistake-free wedding you dreamed of? Everything was just going to fall. Or that vacation that everything was going to be just so smooth and, and it was going to go so well and we had it all planned out. It was going to be just what I always, what? Dreamed of. And how often does that happen? Sometimes it does. Amen? Sometimes God blesses us with a really, really nice experience, but not nearly as often as we would like. The bottom line is, we're looking for heaven. That's really what we're looking for. Our hearts are hungry for a different place. And we see glimpses of that. Thank God for that, amen? Thank God that we see glimpses of that in this life, but we're longing for heaven. And the reality of what I'm bringing up to us tonight is, is that we have to learn to deal with the fact that most of the time, the experiences of this world or the circumstances that I find myself living in are not enough to give me the joy and the fulfillment that I'm longing for. And yet many times, that is exactly what we are pinning our hopes and our dreams upon. It's our circumstances. And the result of that is we live our lives frustrated. Amen? We're trying to make something perfect happen. We're trying to make something come together. We, we end up disappointed. We end up unfulfilled, seeking after something that we are not able to attain. That's why tonight we're going to talk about the ability to have joy in spite of my circumstances. And we're going to look at Philippians chapter 1. Uh, verses 19 through 20, we want to think about tonight, is it possible in this life to have joy even though our circumstances continue to disappoint us or fall short of what we were hoping for? And first of all, what we want to talk about, having joy in spite of our circumstances, that's going to come in your life, first of all, when you put your confidence in the Lord. Let's look at verses 19 through 20. Joy in our life. We're talking about in this series that, uh, and I think this is a great time of year to be talking about joy because this is the time of year where we pursue a lot of things we enjoy, right? This is the time of year we go on vacation or, or we're doing some fun things or we've saved up to do something special. And thank God that maybe some of the greatest memories in our lives and our families come from those camping trips or come from those, uh, you know, going to the amusement park or all those kind of things that we might do together. But ultimately, they fall short of what we're looking for. And the Bible tells us that's because we need to put our confidence in the Lord. Why do circumstances <clears throat> bother us so much? Why do our circumstances make us so nervous? You see, I believe we have a desire for everything to be okay. We want to make sure everything's going to be okay. But when the circumstances aren't right, it makes us get a little nervous, doesn't it? We, we need for some security. We need for, so you think about it, when the money's not right, when there's not much money in the bank, we start wondering, are we going to be able to pay the bills? That's not exactly bringing a lot of joy, just naturally up, filling up in my heart. How about you? When my circumstances are, there's more bills than there is income, Anybody feeling joy? You just feeling that start come on? Just a just a warm and fuzzy feeling? 
when you barely have enough money? Okay, when your relationship with your spouse is not what it should be, does that just, do you, does that just bring joy to your life? No, it brings a, a very unsettled feeling because here's the person that I'm supposed to have the closest relationship with in life, and, and it's, not, it's not happening. I'm not exactly feeling joy in that circumstance. When your boss says, hey, your job might be up in the air, it's hard to, to have contentment, isn't it? It's hard to feel that fulfillment. The problem, have you noticed this? There is always something in life to rob our joy. Have you noticed that? I actually don't like that about life. (laughs) That's one of those things I butt my head up against. It shouldn't have to be this hard, amen? Why can't it be better? But the reality is I've learned and I've tried to quit fighting it. There is always something in front of me that if I allow it to, can rob that joy. So if we do not learn how to have joy beyond the things that we see around us, we'll just never have it, is the bottom line. Look at Paul's situation in these verses. We said last time, where is he writing from as he's writing this this letter to these people? This letter that he continues to emphasize throughout this letter, uh, at least 14, 15, 16 times he uses the word joy or, or some form of it. Over and over again, he's emphasizing this word joy. He's saying that while he's sitting in a jail cell. And he said last time, there's a lot of people that were kind of against him. Even some of his so-called friends were sort of giving him a hard time. And on top of that, we kind of begin to find out in these verses that he's really facing the death of the threat of losing his life. There's a very real possibility that Paul is going to be executed. With that in mind, let's look at verses 19 and 20. We said in verse 18, he said, And in this, I rejoice. What did we say? He was presently rejoicing. He said, In this, I just want you guys to know, I'm rejoicing. And we said it wasn't a Christian fake rejoicing, right? Like, yeah, I love it. No, I really hate it. No, the Apostle Paul really, apparently, was experiencing joy from God in that moment. And he said, not only in this I rejoice right now, he says, yes, and I will rejoice. By faith, I'm saying, I'm going to continue to choose to have this attitude. Then he says in verse 19, where we're picking up, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. The clear message that Paul says in those verses is, no matter what circumstances I found my life to be in, and by the way, people, they ain't that great right now, I have confidence, and my confidence is in the Lord. Look at what he says. He says, for I know, and that word is a word that just clearly means certainty, to be very certain of something. The Apostle Paul says, I know that this, this situation that, that my life is in as I'm walking with the Lord, he says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Doesn't that sound pretty certain? I am confident that this will turn out for my deliverance. Actually, this is kind of interesting. I never realized this until I studied this this week. He actually quotes from Job chapter 13, verse 16. He quotes word, from word, word for word 
for so, for, from a, 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 a statement Job made when he was talking about the situation he was in. And when we think about Job, we think about people who've really had it bad. Amen? So here's the Apostle Paul. He says, listen, again, he's being honest, just like Job. Yeah, I've got a bad situation, but just like Job, I have confidence that in the midst of terrible circumstances, I'm going to quote from Job, the poster child for problems. He had confidence when he was going through difficulty in the Lord, and I have that same kind of confidence. And Paul actually uses a a, a strong word. He says, I am confident. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Actually, some of your translations say something else. What do they say? I am confident that this will turn out for my what? My salvation. That's literally what it says right there. He says, I am confident that this is going to turn out in my salvation, that God is going to rescue me. That God's going to deliver me from this. God's going to get me out of this situation. Now, we might wonder, was Paul saying that he was very certain that God had spoken to his heart that he was going to get out of jail alive? We might wonder that. Or was Paul speaking in a more general way, just saying, I am certain that no matter what happens in life, God is going to rescue and deliver me. I think it's probably that second one. I think Paul probably, if you read this passage, he wasn't sure if maybe he was going to lose his life or not, okay? People say, Pastor Robbie, can you promise me that I will be healed? I say, yes. I can promise you that you will be healed. What I can't promise you is when. Okay? God has promised to make all things new. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, He might very well heal you right this moment. He does that sometimes. He might heal you next week, but I guarantee you, you are going to be delivered from this problem that you're facing. Amen? I think that's what Paul was saying. He said, I've got confidence. I know God is going to take care of me one way or another. And by the way, I think it's kind of cool that he says, the reason he knew this, and he kind of brings them into it, he says, he says I'm trusting that through your prayers and through God's provision. So what Paul was saying is, I know God's going to do it for me, but I just want you guys to know I appreciate y'all being a part of that. Isn't it nice when you're in a tough situation to have people praying for you? To partner together with you in prayer? And he says, all of this lines up with my earnest expectation and hope. Now, that word earnest expectation is a word that meant to stretch out your neck, okay? And here's what came to my mind. Kids looking for Christmas presents. Okay, so... I'm playing block. Shannon's coming in the kitchen door. Kids are in the dining room. What's mom got over there? Right? And then she goes up the steps. What does she have? Okay? That's that's what this word really means. Paul said, I have earnest expectation. What he was saying is, God is going to do something for me. I'm so sure of it. I got my neck stretched out looking for it. He says, I have this confidence in God, not my circumstances. If you look around, man, I'm in jail. And and there's some people talking bad about me. And they're making me look bad. And they're saying things that aren't true. And and they're supposed to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. And and that hurts my feelings. and, and, And I may lose my life. But I have confidence. I have an earnest expectation and a hope and enthusiasm 
And I love this phrase, and I hope it'll be as much of a blessing for you as it's been for my life. Look at what Paul says. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything. A few years ago, I found this phrase in the Bible. And God really used it to bless me. I don't know about you guys, but, and maybe this is just a guy thing, but uh, I don't like looking stupid. I don't like looking dumb. I don't like sticking my neck out and getting it chopped off. You know, I don't like going off on the end of a limb and, it, you know, and oh, the limb broke, okay? So I remember when I first started walking with the Lord, and when we first started walking by faith as a couple and trusting God and getting involved in ministry and, and trying to let God use our life, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, listen, this is all true, isn't it? You are going to take care of me. I'm not going to look dumb here, am I? Now, really, in my heart, God had so worked in my heart, I knew. I had no other choice but to follow Jesus, amen? He saved my soul. I mean, where else am I going, amen? But I struggled just in my mind with, God, am I going to look like an idiot? Am I going to be kind of looking dumb here? Am I going to be sort of hung out to dry? And I found this phrase in the Bible. In fact, it's interesting. I found it in a place that many times we quote for something else. But Romans chapter 10, verse 11. In Romans 10, we many times quote this passage for salvation. And God really used it to speak to my heart to encourage me about trusting Him. It says in Romans 10, verse 11, For the Scripture says, Whoever believes in Him... And if you've studied God's Word, you know that word believes is the word for faith, okay? Whoever faiths, and the way we would say it in English is whoever trusts, okay? Whoever trusts in Him will not be disappointed. And everybody who's trusted in Him, I say amen to that. I have not been disappointed. But you know what? The way, what I began to realize as I studied that, the way we see disappointed is... Uh, you know, I bought something and it wasn't quite what I thought. It was sort of a letdown. But actually the word means more, will not be put to shame. Okay? It's a quote from Isaiah chapter 28 verse 16. It's actually quoted again the chapter before in Romans 9.33. When God writes something once, it means something, right? When He writes it several times, I start saying, hmm. It's also quoted in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 6. The Bible says, friend, listen, are you wondering? I remember as a 17-year-old young man, and as we've been starting our lives and our walk with the Lord, I remember thinking there are a lot of options, choices about direction for life. How do I know God's direction is the right one? Anybody ever wondered that? How do I know this is the right path? And I read that word, and, and God just spoke to my heart, Robbie, I make you a promise, whoever puts their trust and their confidence in me will never say I'm disappointed in what I got. Will never, more meaningful to me, translation, be put to shame. Will never be hung out to dry. Will never be, oh, tricked you. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Anybody been, relate, anybody been tricked in life before? And say, I'd rather not have that happen again. 
And I just told the Lord, Lord, please don't let that happen. I'm following you. I can't see you. This seems kind of silly. I'm going against everything inside of me, but I'm hearing your voice. And God says, if you put your trust in me, you will never be put to shame. Paul says, I am confident I will never in any situation be hung out to dry by God. He says, in fact, even now with all boldness, even now in the situation that I'm in, as always... I'm hoping and trusting that God's going to work in my life. That's what Paul says. He says, I'm in jail. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not who I want to be with. I could lose my life, but I have confidence. I have confidence that what I see around me does not define me. Isn't that good news? My confidence is not in these things. My confidence, my overwhelming confidence... By faith is in the Lord. Listen to Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Some of you need to listen to these verses, okay? It's spoken in a more uh, agricultural context, but just sort of put it in your own uh, mindset here today. It says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olives should fail, and the fields produce no food. Sounds like work's not going very well. Amen? Though the flocks should be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God, not my circumstances. The Lord God is my strength. And He has made my feet like hind's feet and makes me like a wild animal to walk on high places. Somebody said this, one of the surest measures of a Christian's spiritual maturity is what it takes to rob him of his spirit-given joy. Friend, you can have joy in your circumstances, and that happens when your confidence is not in your circumstances, but your confidence is in the Lord. But let's look at verses 21 through 26. We can have joy in spite of our circumstances. I hope this is good news for you because my circumstances are never quite... That picture, that was close. Let's just camp out here until they just stop biting. That was close to heaven for me. But it stopped. And it hasn't happened much since. I don't have to have joy in my circumstances. I can have them in spite of my, my circumstances. First of all, put your confidence in the Lord. Secondly, remember, this is like, oh, thank you, God. Remember, you cannot help but win in the Lord. What if you were in the middle of a ball game and somebody told you, hey, time out, freeze the game, Come here, fast forward just a minute. Uh, you're going to win. If you're in the middle of a ball game and somebody stopped and said, I just want you to know, you're going to win. Would that help? I mean, if you're in the middle of that ball game and let's say, let's say it's football, let's say you, you fumbled the ball and said, oh man, we're going to lose, we're such losers. I'd say, man, I hate fumbling the ball, but I know I'm going to win. Right? I don't know exactly how, but somehow this thing's going to turn around. Wouldn't that change your attitude in the middle of the game? Even if things got hard, wouldn't you remember no matter what? I can't help but win. 
I think what happens sometimes in life is in the middle of tough situations, sometimes we begin to wonder, friends, is this not true? And bless your heart, if you're here tonight and you say, you know, I love the Lord, but my circumstances, it just it gets me down and I begin to wonder, I thought I was doing the right thing, I thought I was on the right path, but, but now, well, I, I just don't know. Amen? We need to remember God needs to remind us, in the Lord you cannot help but win. Paul says, let me just tell you how I'm seeing things. In verses 21 through 26. He says, for to me, here's my attitude. For me, this is a great memory verse, by the way. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, he said, if I, if I stay here on this earth, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. Paul said, if I had the choice, stay here, serve the Lord, die, go to heaven, I'm not sure. He says, I'm hard-pressed from both directions. I can see the advantages, disadvantages both ways. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ for that is very much better. And he puts a couple of superlatives there. He's like, that's just like a whole lot better. Amen, anybody? I'd just rather be done with the mess and just get my heaven thing going. All right? Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. He's saying, God's using me in some people's lives. He's actually using me in your life. Convinced of this, Paul says, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Jesus Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Paul says, okay, let's just kind of play this thing out. All right, let's just get a little bit big picture. Because we tend to kind of get down into, you know, just the minutiae and the nitty-gritty, you know, just kind of the stuff. What is the worst that this world can do to me? Take my physical life, right? That's the worst that this world can do to me. And if that happened, that'd actually be good for me. If I lost my physical... Now, wait a second. This ain't, you know, any, you know, kind of sign up for being stupid kind of stuff, okay? You know, go get yourself killed kind of thing. All right? But, but really, in terms of fear, in terms of what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen to us, if I lost my life, if that's the worst this world can do to me, that would actually be a favor because I'd be with the Lord. But if that doesn't happen... That's an indicator to me, Paul says, that God's not done with me yet. Right? It must mean that there's still some fruitful labor that God wants to produce out of my life and the lives of others. And he says to them, in fact, I have confidence that he still has something for me in your life. He's talking to the Philippians. He doesn't know that for sure. He says, but either way, I'm good because either way I win. I'm either in heaven, where I was created to, be, to end up anyway, or I'm, I'm on this earth serving the purpose God has for me. Now thinking like that, why would any circumstance ever truly get me down? I'm either going to die. <laughs> Thank you, I'm done. Okay. Or I'm going to be here and God must still have a purpose because He hasn't allowed me to come home to be with Him yet. Either way, I'm winning. And by the way, the Bible makes it clear here. Hebrews 9, 27. It talks about it. It says that, you know, if, if I'm not here, where am I going to be? I'm going to be with the Lord. Okay, some people wonder about that. 2 Corinthians 5, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. 
The Bible said it is appointed for man to die once, and then we face judgment. Then it's time to decide, what did you do with your life? What did you do with Christ? Okay? This whole idea of purgatory or this whole idea of reincarnation, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we're given this life, in this life, an opportunity to respond to our Creator. And if we receive His gift of salvation and are cleansed and forgiven by Him, then we're going straight to Him when we die. Isn't that good news? If we don't receive that, then we're going to be separated from Him when we die. And by the way, if you're concerned about that tonight, if you say, well, I don't like that, that's not fair, I don't want that, you've got a choice in the matter. In fact, that's why we do what we do here at New Hope, is to share the good news that God never wanted anybody to be separated from Him. That's why He sent His servants into the world throughout the centuries to share the good news that anybody can be saved. Anybody can be forgiven for their sins. If we'll put our trust in Jesus Christ, that's why He died on the cross for us. But in light of what Paul's saying here, I suppose we should ask a couple of questions. If we're going to have this win-win attitude, I need to know a couple things. Do I know I'm going to heaven? And do I know that my life is making a difference for God? Do you see where I'm going with that? So if I can say yes to both of those, do I know I'm going to heaven? Thank God, yes I do. Somebody says, that sounds awfully arrogant. No, please don't misunderstand me. Without Christ, I ha- I'm not even in, in the ballpark, okay? I'm not even, in, I'm not even around the stadium, all right? I'm nowhere close, but because of Christ, we can have confidence. If we've trusted in Him, you can know, the Bible says, 1 John five thirteen. we can know that we have eternal life. That's good news, isn't it? Okay, so I know that. Do I know that God has a purpose for me and that I'm living out that purpose? Well, we all sin. So nobody's going to be perfect on that, but would you say that you, you could pretty well say, you know what, I'm seeking God, His direction, His path for my life. He's using me. He's working in me. He's working in others because of me. Hopefully. Amen? So now you're win-win. Whatever circumstances you find yourself in, you can say, okay, either this one's going to get me. Right? Because I'm going to die one day. Or, God's not done with me yet. And either way, I win. I'm either in heaven with Him or I'm fulfilling His purpose. Friend, God cares about our lives. He cares about the details. And if you need help on some... We're not saying circumstances don't matter. We're not saying details don't matter. If you, if you need a change in job, ask God. Amen? If you need God to help you with the situation or, or, or to work in your spouse's life. Or, but what I'm talking about is thinking a little bit more big picture. If I'm a child of God, the worst that can happen is I lose my life. And in a sense, somebody be doing me a favor. That's the way Christians throughout the century have seen it. You can't really take away from me what you don't have power to take away. As people have been persecuted, they've said, you know, you can take away my life, but even that's got to be because God allowed it. Doesn't that empower you? That you're not under the control of anyone else? But if God has left me here, no matter what my circumstance, He has a purpose. And in that, like Paul, I can rejoice. Let me read uh, verses 27 through 30. This is kind of a wrap-up. 
Paul says, uh, now in regards to you guys, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I can't come, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together, working hard for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted, for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Paul says, okay, I've been talking to you guys about what's, what's, what's going on with me, but let me just kind of give that to you guys. I want to encourage you to have the same kind of mindset that I'm having. Okay? And in fact, I think verse 27, I shared with you, I think, in the, the original message, I think verse 27 is probably the theme of the book of Philippians. In essence, Paul's saying, stand strong in unity through humility for the good of God's message going out with joy all the way. That's really the message, I believe, of the book of Philippians. And Paul challenges them with that. Have that same attitude. Conduct yourself like this. That's a manner that's worthy of God's good news. When you talk about circumstances, I can't help but remember a pastor that we once had. And I remember him saying one time that uh, after a while, you know, church families talking to people about different things in their lives. And he said over and over again, he kept hearing people say, he said, how you doing? He said, well, pastor... I'm doing okay under the circumstances. He said he heard it so much, he finally just started saying, well, what are you doing under there? And I've never forgotten that phrase. Because isn't that how we are? Oh, I'm doing okay under the circumstances. But I have to say that every day. Every day there's something terrible, amen? Every day there's something rotten. Every day there's something scary. Every day there's something to worry about. Friend, God wants to give you a joy that overrides your circumstances. It doesn't ignore. It doesn't disregard. God is very honest. Bad is bad, isn't it? And we should acknowledge, you know, there's some bad things in our lives right now. If it's something you can deal with with God's help, you need to deal with it. If it's something that's out of your control, you don't need to get bitter or resentful, but you need to trust God in the middle of that. Whatever you need to do with it. But God, God sees that. He cares. The Bible says casting all your care because He cares for you. But we're talking a little bit different picture here, the bigger picture. Am I going to let the joy, the contentment, the fulfillment of my life be based on all the things around me or the fact that I follow and trust? in the Lord. And He is good. And I can't help but think that if I'm following Him, I win either way. Whatever happens. Amen? Then nobody or nothing, your boss can't take away your joy. Mike can take away your job. Nobody, your health can't take away your joy. No one mistreating you can't take away your joy. Because you're living above the circumstances. Let's bow before the Lord.
Father, I thank you for a message to share tonight that is worth sharing. Because, Lord, each one of us are going to walk out of this room tonight. And life is hard. And we pursue so many things to try to fill that hunger. And it's empty. Many of us spend years pursuing those things only to find years later that wasn't it. Father, I pray today that we would learn that you are the one. You are the the only one. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's never trusted in Christ, that today would be the day they'd say, Jesus, I get it. I understand you are the Savior. I want you to be my Savior. I ask you to come into my life to wash my sins away. I ask you to give me that joy, that contentment, that fulfillment that nothing else has brought me. Father, I pray for your children here tonight, Lord. So many of us have started that journey, but along the way we've seen some road signs that attracted our attention. And we've been distracted. We may have fallen for some things, some traps. Lord, I pray that we'd be called back today, back on the path of trusting in you and you alone. You would be the one to give us our confidence. And Lord, I just pray that you'd put your arms around someone who is struggling tonight. Lord, maybe you won't change their circumstances right now, but maybe for some you would, and we just ask you to do that. Would you relieve some pain? Would you relieve some burden? Would you make their circumstances easier? We ask you to do that for them, Lord, just because you love them, just because you can, and you do sometimes. But if you don't, if that's not part of your purpose right now, help each one of us to trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.